Um, we come today with the uh, Warnicky family, with Shane and Jenna and Trinity and Carly and especially Walker, uh, for Walker's baptism. Baptism is uh, the sacrament through which we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty act of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift to us, offered without price. I present to you Walker Andrew Wernicke for baptism. On behalf of the whole church, I ask the two of you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you also nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? I turn to all of you who are family and friends standing with Walker this morning, and I ask you, will all of you who are his family and friends do everything in your power to support and encourage his life in his Christian walk? Baptism is not just something that occurs in the family of the child, but it's something that occurs in the family of God and the body of Christ. And so I ask all of you who are here today this question, do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If so, please state we do. Will you nurture one another in Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? If so, please state we will. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you sent in the cloud, set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless the gift of water and he who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in his final victory. All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Hey, buddy. Hey, Walker. Hey, buddy. You ready? Walker's not scared yet. Can we go this way? Walker, Andrew, this is nice and cold. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I make the sign of the cross on your forehead to denote that you are sealed by the Spirit as a child of God. That's right. I introduce to you the body of Christ, our newest member, Walker Andrew Warnicky. Talk amongst yourselves, I need some water myself.
thought I'd just swallow it over the speakers. That'd be nice. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're very excited to have all of you with us this morning on this great and glorious day in which to come and praise our Lord and Savior. And let me tell you, I love the Tulsans. If you were here the last couple of weeks, we've had Ben and Rachel Tulson leading worship for us. Um, they are great and wonderful, but it's good to have the gang back uh, leading worship for us. There you go, Marianne. And uh, I don't know about, well, I know about this crew up here, but I was wanting to do a stage dive on the second song. Anybody else with me? Anyone? Feel, no? Okay. You all are like, yeah, like he can catch you. Um, that hurts that you all think that. Uh, we have been talking about community. Our, our series, Churchwide, is about community, under construction, building God's dream. And what we talked about on the very first Sunday of this service, of this series, was that God's dream is for us to be in community. God, God wants us and longs for us to be in community with one another. He created this that way. When he created Adam, it was the only time during creation, if you remember, that he gets to something and he goes, yeah, that's not so good. And he created Eve. He said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, so he created Eve. He created a community. He was like, there's something missing. God and God's self is a community. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, three in one. A community. And he's like, this is so cool. This is so awesome. I, I got to share this. And so he creates a community. And that's what he longs for us. And so often in today's time, we separate ourselves. We, we separate ourselves and pull ourselves into groups, uh, separate groups, or, or by ourselves. And the world says, look out for yourself, number one. Have you seen that new Verizon wireless commercial where the guy, the father, walks up to all of his his kids and his family members, he goes, I got you this phone because you're my favorite. You're number one in my book. And then he goes up to his wife, says the same thing, and his son. And then he walks out and he goes, and saving the best for numero uno. Have you seen this commercial? That's kind of the mentality of our world. Numero uno. It's all about me. God's like, no. It's about community. Things are so much better when you're together. Things are so much. Don't you have more fun? I mean, seriously, if you've been watching... I'm not going to go to the Red Sox because I told somebody I wouldn't talk about them today, which is hard for me. If you've been watching the Colorado Rockies and their journey of all the games they've won, it, that's enough of that. <laughs> in, in all the games that they've won, it wouldn't be nearly as fun if you were sitting at home watching this by yourself as if you were with people to cheer and to holler together. To go, yeah, they're going, they're, they're going to the World Series. They're going to lose, but they're going to the World Series. You know, it's more fun together. Things are better when you're together. God has created this community, and he's created a community here in the church. The church. The church is a community. God created this incredible community with such loving and detailed care that he sent his son to die for it. Think about that. He sent his son to die for the church. When we do communion, there's you know, the proper liturgy that, that I do most of in here. Liturgical people are like, no, you don't. And I, I do most of the liturgy in here. And, and I take the cup, and when you get to the cup part, if you remember this, you raise the cup, and after, after supper he took the cup, he raised it to God, and he gave thanks for the fruit of the vine. He said, Blessed are you, Lord our God, for the fruit of the vine. He said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood, the cup of the new covenant, which is poured out for, what does he say? Many. You know what? I had a problem with that for a long time. And if you've noticed over my journey of four and a half, five years in here, I started out saying, pour out for all. Y'all probably don't pay attention to things like I do. 
Well, I mean me anyway. See, it's all about me. It's all about you. I would say poured out for all because I had a problem with that. I was like, you're leaving out so many people when you say many. I think Christ died for everyone. Christ died for everyone. It's just their responsibility and their action to accept it. I'm not saying that everyone is saved. What I'm saying is that Jesus Christ died for everyone. But I think the reason he said many is because not everybody accepts it. The reason he says, I pour this out for many is because not everyone accepts the gift. It's available to all, but not everybody accepts it. This beautiful gift, this gift basically of community that he, that he loves and cares for so much, the church that he died for us, the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, there is a, a great scripture there. If you got your text, I'm going to up to Ephesians chapter 5. And, and by the way, when I say text, that's just the way I talk about the Bible. I've said that many times in here, and sometimes it sounds like a textbook. I don't mean that. I mean the living, breathing word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, and it's a scripture that's used a lot in weddings, in, in wedding ceremonies. And in fact, it's on um, the inscription is on the inside of mine and, and Jenna's wedding rings. Well, I mean, it's on Jenna's. It used to be on mine uh, before I took this trip to South Texas on the Devil River and lost my ring and got leeches on my body, but that's a different story. A pastor shouldn't be in the devil's river, essentially, is what that. It's beautiful water, nice fish. But, um, so Ephesians chapter 25, this is, I mean, chapter 5, verse 25 is where I'm going to start. This is a great marriage. It's the husband and the wife, and it's setting up this whole beautiful imagery. Verse 25, he says, Paul is writing, he says, And, and you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed to the church. He gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by baptism in God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Right there, Paul shows us the example of what Christ is to us, the church. Groom, bride. We are the bride of Christ. Plain and simple. The church is the bride of Christ. It's a beautiful image. It's a wonderful, beautiful relationship. And what he's saying there is something special. But you've got to know the background. Let me tell you the background. I've done this, I think it was about a year ago, I did a sermon on communion, both in the sanctuary and here. And I told about a story of uh, two people that lived in the time of Jesus and what it would have been like had they gotten married. It was all Ray Vanderland stuff that I borrowed, stole, borrowed, whatever. Um, and... And I'm going to tell you in a brief, I know some of y'all don't think I can be brief, but a brief period right now. Basically, this is what would have happened. If you were a young man living back in the times of ancient Jerusalem, ancient Israel, back in the times when Jesus would have been around, and you got to the age where it was time for you to be married, you would go to your father and you'd say, Father, and, or Bob or Jeff or whatever his name was, Dad, I want to be married. It's time I want to be married. You go, Great. Let's find you a wife. Not, good, go out there, date, play the field, see what happens, see what feels, you know, find the right person for you. No, let's find you a bride. Okay, well, there's this family in, uh, in another town up the road there, and, you know, they got a girl there, she's pretty good looking. Well, you know, that's not maybe necessarily a good family. And you finally decide upon the right one. You decide on the right one. Your dad goes, here's a girl for you. So this is what would happen. The son would go to the family where this woman lived. He would go to her home, and he would go to her father and say, I would like to marry your daughter. 
And the dad's like, okay, how much? Yeah, did any father-in-laws do that to y'all? <laughs> My father-in-law did that to How much? Basically what was happening is this. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about insula, about the, the way that families lived back in that day. They lived together, all of them, aunts, uncles, brothers, cousins, you name it. Like a hundred people would live under one roof. One family would all come together and they would live together. They would share everything. They would all probably work in the same occupation. If somebody were sick, they'd support them. If somebody were hurt, they'd support them. It was just this beautiful, this is the way a family worked. So a boy coming into another family saying, I want to marry your daughter is is saying what? I want to take away one of your wage earners. I want to take away somebody in the family business away from your business and remove them completely from you. So we got to arrange a price. What's it worth to you basically to lose this child? And you would set a price. You would barter back and forth. You would agree upon a price and you would have a party to celebrate the upcoming nuptials. During the party at some specific time, the groom would rise and he would take a cup and he would go to the bride, the bride-to-be, and he would raise the cup and he would say, this is my blood which is poured out for you. In other words, I love you, can't live a day without you, will you marry me? This is my, did anybody propose to their wife like that? This is my blood. It's kind of cool, but freaky at the same time. This is my blood. In other other words, really, everything I am, I offer to you. And here's what would happen. The bride would either take the cup or she wouldn't. Now, if she took the cup and she took a sip, she was saying, yes, I accept your offer. I accept your gift, your offer. I, I want to be married to you. So the bride takes the cup and she accepts the cup and that gift. And, and then this is what happens. The groom, they'd have a big party and the party would go on for, for a while. But then the groom would leave and he would say, I'm going to pre- prepare a place for you in my father's home. Remember, they lived in an insula, a big, huge home with all these different rooms and all the different family members lived together. And he was probably sharing a room with like 400 brothers or something. He'd have to go prepare a room for his family, his immediate family, for he and his wife to live in. So he'd say, I'm going home to prepare a place for you in my father's house. And when it is ready, I will come back and get you. Are little light bulbs popping off in your head right now? I just, I love this story. I love this beautiful imagery that God set forth for us to get it. And it would be the father that would tell the groom when it was time to go back. Like the groom couldn't just like sprint with everything he had back to his dad's house, put up a little shack, throw some hay in the corner, go, she can sleep on that for a while until we raise some money, and then go back and get her. He would have to go. He would have to build the room. And his father would come in. He would look it over, and he'd go, no, you need some more work on it. You're not ready. It would only be when his father was ready to send him back that the groom would go back to get the bride. So the bride, in the meantime, had to be waiting patiently, ready at any moment for the groom to come and to bring her back to be with him at his father's house. Do you see this? Do you see the picture? Do you see the imagery, the beautiful illustration of Christ in the church? Oh, man, I just, I love it. You see, Christ comes down. He's this, he's the groom and he comes to us 
And he comes and he says, I want to marry you. I want you to be one with me. And the price that I'm willing to pay is my very life. The price I'm willing to pay is my life. Do you accept? We, the church, are the ones who have said, yes, I accept. By the church, I don't mean the walls here. I don't care if the walls fall down right now. Well, I mean, when we leave the building, I don't care. It's not about the walls of the church. It's the body of Christ. It's the people who believe and accept that cup and say, yes, I want to be with you in your father's house. Yes, I'm waiting patiently for you to come back. We are the community that is bound together by his blood, by the offer of his cup. Will you accept my gift? Will you accept my sacrifice? This is the price I'm willing to pay for you. What does he ask of the bride? Nothing. But he's willing to give himself so that we, we today, right now, while we wait patiently for the groom to return, may live together in community. We are the bride of Christ, together, strong. But when we separate ourselves, when we start looking inwardly, we lose that passion and that love and that grace. We are. My ADD just kicked in. I was about to say Marshall, but we are the bride of Christ. When you leave today and you look at people as you walk out, don't look at them as somebody you've never seen before. Maybe you haven't. Don't look at them as somebody you just see on a Sunday and you don't know their name, but you know their face. Look at them. Look at them, not only as a child of God, but look at them as somebody who is in a community so beautiful, so wonderful and so powerful that Jesus Christ was willing to die for us. I realize some of you in here have not accepted the cup. I realize that. In any given church, there are people who are sitting in the pews and maybe even come faithfully who have not walked up to the table and accepted that gift. It's been offered to you. My heart cries out for you. My heart cries out for you that you would know that passion and that love so great. I mean, I love my wife. Man, I love her. Do anything for her. Sure, we get in disputes. We get in little fights and arguments. We had one yesterday over mowing. Silly stuff. I love her. I would do anything for her. But there is no love greater than that of Jesus Christ. There is no love greater. I long for each of us to know that and to accept it and to become part of the bride, the church. We are the bride of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the glorious gift of love and redemption and salvation that you offer us. Father, we thank you so much that you are willing to pay the price that you did for us, to give your life that we might know true love. Lord, help us who know that, who have accepted the cup, help us to live our lives like that, to live our lives in community with one another. And Lord, help us, help us to share that love with all, that those who have never known the love of a Savior, 
who have never known the love of someone so great and passionate that they were willing to die for us. Help us to share that love. We thank you and praise you. Amen.